Support for Outlaws and Gunslingers on the Creative yeah. Control Network is brought to you by Manscaped, yeah. who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Ooh. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Ooh, I like you it. heard that right, the 4.0. Oh. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off. That's right. I said 20% off and free worldwide shipping free. with the code OUTLAWS at manscaped.com. That is code OUTLAWS at manscaped.com. Well, imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Ooh, well, I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. I really am. The uh, craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Here's uh, a little... Uh, selling point for you guys you guys ever tried to use like regular hair clippers with no guard and tried to shave your balls i guarantee you're gonna nick them because it happened to me don't ever try to shave your balls with regular like hair clippers yeah oh yeah it was uh, trust me blood on the floor and the wife ain't gonna be happy so this new 4.0 is gonna save you uh, a little bit of uh pain and it's gonna save your day well nobody wants nick balls well, you're just in luck there because Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by mm. focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade. <laughs> no pun intended, huh? <laughs> <laughs> ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. That's trademarked, by that the way. So trademarked. don't you feel like, don't you go over there and try to steal it, people. Right. I now, me, myself, I feel confident. Shaving my balls. Me too, because this upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. Ooh. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Damn. It's got a it's got a flashlight so you can see your gooch or your taint or whatever you guys call that place. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? Well, the lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes. Guess what? One through four. I recommend you guys don't do anything over one because <laughs> unless you're a Bushman, I'm a Bushman. Maybe, maybe two, I bet, would be. Decent. Yeah, two, maybe. All right. Uh, did I mention wireless charging? We didn't, but we do now because the new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can, which can help battery length last longer. So uh, oh, longer uh, shave times in between charges. Man, if you've been shaving with same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with the pubes in their mouth. Which leads to my point about using a regular hair shaver right. down there. You have two of them. I have two different shavers. Well, right I have one. and uh, Well, not right now. But uh, before I got Well, Manscaped before I got the Manscaped 4.0, right. So, and speaking of no person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth, your, your, uh, your significant other definitely don't <laughs> want to end up with pubes in their mouth because uh, that would be the last time she goes down there. Well, right. it's time to get your own ball in here, body trimmer with Manscaped, to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys smooth boy i'm some smooth boys mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code outlaws at manscaped.com your balls will thank you once again get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code outlaws at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code outlaws unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers, and we made it, guys. We, we made, made it, it to the end of the Wild West. You guys, if you really guys been tuning it. in yeah. for, with us for the uh, since the beginning, you know that we went from the Wild West. We covered everything there is to cover. And there's probably a couple more. Maybe we'll do some bonus there's ones down the road more. just to. Uh, there's plenty more. Yeah, but we did the we did the ones that are most important. Wild Bill, Jesse James, Billy the Kid. Dalton Gang, Sam Bass. Batmaster. Bat no, we did not do Batmaster. Bat no. Um but that's one that we could. We didn't do Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid I either. Think he's not over on the um, uh, Bang Dang Network. 
He's not. We, we, did never, we never did a Batmaster. Sure? Batmaster, no. Wyatt Earp, Deadwood. We did Towns. We did everything. Everything that was important pretty much about the Wild West, we did. And now, like we've been telling you for a few weeks now, we're finally here on the Prohibition slash Depression era. Mm. Here we go, baby. Illegal alcohol is late, so much better. Late teens to early 40s-ish, I think we're going to cover in this uh, in this slice or section of Outlaws and Gunslingers right now. So you're going to get all your 20s bootleggers. You're going to get your your 19s and 30s bank robbers. You know, John Dillinger, um, Babyface Nelson, Machine Gun Kelly, all those type of guys. Bonnie and Clyde moving up into the moving 40s, 50s. Up. Not the Jeffersons. They were later. 40s and 50s, you are, you already know the famous 40 and 50s gangs. All right, the greasers and the all that The greasers shit. and the uh, zoot suiters and all that the good zoot, stuff. Zoot riot. Moving on to the Roll 60s where beer. mafia is uh, dominating. Zoot, zoot riot. Throw comb through my cold black hair. Yep, and that's why we made it. 19 episodes in and episode 20. Episode 20. We're starting a prohibition 20, 20, era 20. with the, uh, pretty much the father, mm. the father of... Uh, Prohibition era, the father of bootleggers. Is he though? The is he though? There was people ever before him. Oh no, he's one hundred percent the father of the bootleggers. There was people that was before him. He's one hundred percent the father of the boot. I would be the father if he was, if there was people before him. Well, we're about to uh, establish that right now. Can't be the father when there was people before doing the same thing. You're name doing. one. Name one. Name one. Uh, the guy from uh, Boardwalk Week. Hmm. Hmm. Or Boardwalk Empire. Hmm. What's his face? Hmm. What's his name? Hmm. The mayor. Nucky. The mayor Nucky. Nucky. Way before Capone. It's actually the same time frame. But uh, yeah, but he was Capone was just a driver. Mm, Capone's the biggest and uh, not yet. The, yeah, not in that Boardwalk Empire show. Capone was just a little guy. <sighs> okay, you're going from a fucking fictional HBO TV show to yeah, uh, the guy that. Um, the one name that we got made fun of, uh, Luciano. Luciano. No, you got made fun of for Lucian, the Lu- Luciano. You got made fun of for the Lucchesi name. Oh, because <laughs> you Lucchesi. said Lucchesi. Or- Lucchesi. So yeah. what? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, we don't claim to be experts and know everything. If we get yeah, a name you guys wrong, should know this. Don't sue us. We got a little bit of flack uh, from a couple people. Oh, they don't pronounce names right, and oh, they don't know what they're talking about. For one, we never claimed when we started the show we're, we're experts. We. I've said this a million times. We are learning or looking back and right. and learning with with right. you guys. So what whatever we're reading, whatever we're going through in this episode, where and these are all some facts. some stuff we know, some stuff we're learning for the first time, just like you guys and, might be. And everything so, we tell you is all factual. You can look it up for yourself. So exactly. How can we there's not no, know what we're talking about? There's no fake stories here, but it doesn't mean that we know the exact stories and we know right. fucking this and that and that, right. all this like stuff. We're, like we're Al Capone historians. We're not we're not historians uh on any any stretch of the imagination. This is pretty much a a fan of this type of uh genre. That's what right. we are, fans, and we're yeah. learning, and we're right. we're uh, learning with you guys what's happening with these people a, and what happened. Not a hardcore fan, you know, who's gonna be like, oh, I know everything about El Capone. I even ordered this piece of clothing that was said to be on him when he died. It's like a little inch by inch square, and it's right, black. like how wrestling sells pieces right. of the ring right. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not that. We're just we're learning with you guys. We're going with the oh, flow. We, I think we're we gonna go how we go. Up. So. Uh, Serial killers and all that shit in there too, right? Yeah, I don't know. That could be a spinoff, but outlaws and gunslingers for now. It's got to be serial killers and outlaw. Yeah, but serial killers is its own genre, and there's plenty of podcasts about those guys. True. So, uh, yeah, but th- uh, this one, as I alluded to already, the most famous of them all, El Capone. Is he really the most famous of them all? Though? Of the Prohibition era, yes. Mm. Known as Scarface. What I say, Scarface? Yes, you know that you name. Don't like that. You know that name, you don't uh, like that name. the movie Scarface was be, loosely uh, you, you inspired been, by his character. You by the way, been shot in the forehead if you said that in front of him. Well, he did get pretty pissed. Mm-hmm. The leader of the the world famous Chicago outfit, Al Capone, he was on top of the criminal world until he got busted for tax evasion. They couldn't get him for Mm-mm. money laundering. They couldn't get him for bootlegging. Mm-mm. They couldn't get him for murder. Mm-mm. They couldn't get him for anything else. But hey, hey, he let his guard down. He didn't pay his taxes, so he's like. We got him on tax evasion, right. baby, and we're going to sentence him to 11 years in prison, which they did. They did. But, as always, before we get there, we're you know we're going to go right back to the beginning. We're going to start at his early life and work on up to, uh, obviously, his untimely, not untimely death. It's not untimely, is it? The way he dies, it's not untimely. Not I mean, untimely. It's, it's kind of weird the way he dies, I yeah. guess. 
But uh, we go all the way back to a, to a little uh, barrio in New York. <laughs> uh, Brooklyn, New York. I think, I think that's the wrong word. Barrio. A barrio. He's not fucking Mexican. So? What is a barrio anyway? A barrio? It's in the same city though, right? It's just a little area in Brooklyn. It's not part of New York City, is it? You say a borough. It's a borough. Barrio. <laughs> no. The barrio. The borough. There's the five. Barrio. There's five boroughs of New York: Brooklyn, Long Island, Manhattan. All you know that right. type of stuff. Brooklyn I'm is a borough. borough. You said barrio. Barrio. What is that? That's that's like, like a that's like, like a, a Brooklyn. It's like a neighborhood in Mexicans. Oh. <laughs> in Mexicans. <laughs> oh, yeah, but a barrio is like a yeah like, like a neighborhood like Chinatown or something. Yeah, but this is a borough, the borough of Brooklyn. Whatever, man. I wasn't asking that. A barrio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go back to Brooklyn, New oh, York. Geez. In the year of 1899, on a January 17th, That's little it. Al Capone. Oh, little Albert. Little Al Capone was born. Everybody is weird. It's like, oh, no, he was the biggest guy in Chicago. He was actually born in Brooklyn, guys. Born in Brooklyn. 1899, Al Capone was brought into this world out of his mama's vagina. Mm-hmm. His parents were Italian immigrants. Gabrielle Capone, a barber. And Teresa Capone, a seamstress. Oh, she's sewing, sewing some clothes. They're both fuck, doing stuff, man. Right. Right. Well, Capone had eight other brothers and sisters. Which is pretty common for the times. Right. Two of which, Frank and Ralph, worked with him in his criminal empire. Oh, shit. He got at least uh, two-eighths of uh, his, right. his brothers and sisters. I mean, sisters. you got to have at least somebody there, right? And we all know about Frank and Ralph Capone, too. Uh, the Capones came to America from Italy, as we... As we uh, Aforementioned. Right. The Capones came to America from Italy in 1893 and settled at 95 Navy Street in the Navy Yard section of Brooklyn. Okay. They moved to 38 Garfield Place when Elle was just 11 years old. That's pretty detailed. That's fantastic. Anybody, I'm sure, can go and uh, look up those quadrants or addresses on Google um, Earth right now and see and, the home that he grew up in, uh, if, it, if it's still standing. And 19-teens, the 19-teens in New York, that was a pretty rough place. Right. Capone always had trouble in a strict Catholic school, and although he showed promise as a student, he was expelled at the age of 14 for mm-hmm. hitting a female teacher in the oh, face. Dang. She was Italians. Like, Italians, do they, they She love. was like, Albert, you suck at math. He was like, mm. bitch. From there, he bounced around jobs before playing semi-pro baseball hey. from 1916 to 18. Now, is that ever a stat you heard about Capone, that he, semi- that he played semi-pro baseball? I wonder if there's any kind of uh, baseball stats in Al Capone. I'm sure there is. Maybe there's footage, too. Mm, mm, Capone married he married May Josephine Coughlin at age 19 on December 30th, 1918. Well, earlier that month, he had given uh, she had given birth to their son, Albert Francis Sonny, Sonny Capone. Capone. Since he was under the age of 21 and his parents had to consent and write into the marriage. Right. Since he was under the age of 21, his parents had to consent and write into the marriage. Right. So, right. well, you can get married if you're under 21. I guess not back then. In, uh, in New York. In 1918? 1918. Strict rules. Wow. Okay. Strict rules, man. I like it. Al Capone initially became involved with small-time gangs that included the Junior 40 Thieves. Ooh. And the Bowery Boys. The Bowery Boys. He then joined the Brooklyn Rippers. Oh, shit. Look at these gangs, dude. Right. Dude, I mean, come on. Right. And then the powerful Five Points gang based in Lower Manhattan. Oh, yeah. The He's five, just moving on up. The, the Five Points game, gang, which uh, as soon as I do a little more research on, mm-hmm. that's a whole episode in itself right Damn there. Damn right. Well, during this time, he was employed and mentored by fellow racketeer Frankie Yale. Frankie Yale was a bartender in Coney Island. There was a dance hall and a saloon called Harvard Inn. The Harvard Inn. Coney Island was like rough back then too, man. Well, you ever everywhere. Seen, you ever seen the Warriors? Uh. Warriors, come out to play. Right. Well, Al Capone inadvertently <laughs> insulted a woman. Oh, while here we go. Here we go. He was slashed with a knife three oh, times shit. on the left side of his face by her brother Frank Galuchu, Galuchuio. <laughs> Galuchio. 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 Frank Galuchio. The wounds led to the nickname. Scarface, which uh, which Capone was like, mm. I kill you. I pity a fool who calls me Scarface. Yeah, he didn't definitely didn't like that fucking name at right. all. When uh when Al was photographed, he hid the scarred left side of his face, saying that the injuries were war wounds. Look at this guy. Well, so true. well, I mean, battle wounds, not war wounds. I guess. I mean, he's so embarrassed, and uh, by this time, 
he's trying to move up in the world, so he can't reveal Moving that. On he, up. he can't reveal that he got treated like a bitch and slashed in the face by fucking a dude three times and, and expect to be a fucking well, kingpin in the world. If they you know? asked who did it, and he said Frank Lucio, and it was probably a name known somewhere. Well, I don't think so. This is the beginning of the fucking uh, organized crime mafia going on. Wait, well, it's still 18. It's yeah, still, still yeah. 1918. Well, yeah. in 1919, Capone there. left for Chicago after he was invited by his mentor, Johnny Torrio, mm. who was made an enforcer by the crime boss, James Big Jim Calissimo. During this time, he worked as a bouncer in a brothel where he would catch the syphilis that would later kill him. Wow. So we already know what he's going to die from, folks. But uh, Damn, he has syphilis he, all the time. I wonder how many people he gave syphilis to. 1919, he had syphilis. All right. And then we're going to progress. He wow. does a lot of shit between uh, when he catches it and dies. So right. I guess uh, he made his life worthy after catching that disease, huh? Right. Well, there the was thing tre- is, if he would have known he had it, he could have easily... Well, there were treatments available that could have cured right. the infection, but uh, he apparently never sought treatment. He's like... Is it, you think that's another... No, because sometimes it goes no. years and years oh, without dude, any... You have syphilis. You're like draining from your... Yeah, but sometimes you go years you're like, without symptoms. Yeah, yeah, but you're like draining from your pee-pee right. and all that stuff. Right. Um, you think he didn't uh, seek treatment because maybe when he did find out, he's like a big guy now, and you know that kind of stuff gets out. It's like right. it's like it's like Tony Soprano seeing, to seeing shrink. a shrink. Right. Now everybody's gonna fucking think he's weak. Mm, I get it. Yep. You think he didn't go cure infection for syphilis because he's right. like. Oh, right. that guy's dick don't work. He don't. Well, he could have easily had a work. doctor come to his house. Mm. Well, do what they needed to do. Well, different well, anyways, times. Different well, anyway. times. Well, anyway. Anyways. Uh, in 1923, Al Capone purchased a house on 7244 South Prairie Avenue, on the south side of Chicago. Right. It would be. Uh, for five thousand five hundred dollars. That's a lot of money back in, 19, in 1923. Yeah. So it was probably a nice looking he had, house. He had a pretty big house, guaranteed. Around this time, his name started appearing in newspapers where he was known as a boxing promoter. Boxing promoter. This dude's doing boxing. Mm, everything. Everything that he can to make that chatter. Colisimo was murdered. Colisimo? Colisimo. Colisimo? Colisimo. C-O-L-O-S-I-M-O. That's Colisimo. Colisimo was murdered on 11th of May. In 1920. Uh-oh. And Torio took over as the mob So Capone's boss. good buddy is now right. taking over. It was suspected that L had a hand in the oh. moida to secure the top spot for his Oh, mentor. you know him and Torio were behind the yeah. scenes like, hey, man, you got to take out Calissimo because... Uh, yeah. If you ever want anything, man, trust me, you'd be my guy. Well, I'm going to come to the top, and right. you know we're, we're side by side there, right. pal. Basically, you're Well, Torrio had control of an Italian organized crime group that was the biggest gang in the city, and Capone was his right-hand man, oh. which we just said. The smaller North Side gang, led by Dean O'Banion, were in a territory dispute with the Genna brothers, who were allies to Torrio. O'Banion didn't like the way Torrio handled the situation, so Torrio arranged for him to be killed yep. on November 10, 1924. Gotta go, O'Banion. This was not good for Torrio. They didn't the like leader... Irish guys anyway, did they? I don't think they liked Irish. How do you know that's Irish? O'Banion. Just his name's O'Banion? Fuck yeah, that's Irish. <laughs> this was not good for Torrio as the new leader became Jaime Weiss, who was backed by Vincent Drucci okay. and Bugs Moran. Everybody oh. knows Bugs Moran. We'll have something on him, too. Mm-hmm. Being a close fan of O'Banion, Weiss vowed to get revenge on his killers. Revenge! Well, you know how that always goes. Right. You killed my buddy, and I'm going to have to come back and kill you. My name is O'Banion. You killed my Ooh, buddy. You killed my buddy. Be prepared, prepared to, die. to die. Well, L was ambushed in January of 1925, and just 12 days later, Torrio was shot several times coming home from shopping. Damn, so, so they had targets on both their heads. Mm. After this, Torrio resigned and handed over power to L. He's like, Oh, so was know? L behind that? He's got L was ambushed, too. Yeah, but did they purposely miss? Right. He is ambushed. He didn't get shot. Torrio right. was shot, though. A 26-year-old Brooklyn boy was now the leader of a gang that ran illegal breweries as there far as Canada Uh-oh. and had protection from the law while, while doing, doing it. it. Of course he did. Mm. This law enforcement protection came in handy as he would often use violence to increase revenue. If you didn't purchase liquor from him, your place most likely was going to get blown up <laughs> as over 100 people died in this way in the 20s. Oh, thanks to thanks, thanks to, to Al Capone. Al Capone. 26 years old. He's just... He's over there fucking planting bombs in places, and he's he's not doing it. He's just a mad, mad little boy (laughs) with power. They gave mad little boys some power. You think that scar had something to do with it, though? I think so. I think that hurt his ego. No, but you see the scar on his face. Anybody else sees the scar on his face. 
And a man like him, you're like, this dude's been through some battles, so he's a tough motherfucker. So that, could do that it, yeah. scar on his face might intimidate right. some people. And plus, the scar, how the scar got there still intimidates him, too, so that's even worse. Well, he's, you well, put those two and two together. But he's going on telling everybody he got it in a right. war. Right. And when it comes out that he got beat up by Galuccio. Right. <laughs> well, Capone became known to indulge in custom suits, cigars, food, and expensive mm-hmm. jewelry. Wouldn't you? You had all that money. Why would riding. you not? Right. Jet flying. He's a gangster. Of course he's right. going to. He then moved his base to Cicero, Illinois after bribing the town council and took over town elections, making it difficult for the Northside gang to come after him. I mean, what so can he's, do? Got, right. he's got all his people in place, mm. and he's like, any of these motherfuckers come after me. Yep. Oh, it's and then and then he's probably getting intelligence and feeding it to the cops. So the cops are going probably going to the Northside mm. gang's hideouts and all this stuff, raiding them and taking everything they have and, and weakening their power. What a smart little guy he is. Right. September 20th, 1926, at the Capone headquarters at the Hawthorne Inn, mm. the Northside gang used a ploy to get him to come to the windows. He's like, Capone, come out and play. Yay. He's, He's like, like, ooh, play. He's like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Once he ran over to the window, they opened fire with Tommy guns and shotguns. Oh, Capone no. wasn't hurt and called for a truce, which ended up falling through. Oh, so this dude's scared now. All right, three weeks later, Wise was killed outside the same flower shop that O'Banion was killed, mm. which was also the Northside Gang's headquarters. Okay, obviously. I mean, Drucci and Moron. <laughs> is it, is it, I think it's like Drucci. No, Drucci. D R U C C I. Drucci. Say how I you mean, want. Drucci. I'm going to say Drucci. Drucci and Moran. Then Moran. Kidna- Either way, M O R A N. Figure it out, guys. <laughs> then kidna- it's Bugs Moran. Everybody knows who Moran is. I don't care. And then kidnapped the owner of the Hawthorne restaurant and killed him. Killed him dead in January Shot him dead. of the year of 1927. After this, he required a good amount of security wherever he went and had a desire to get away from Chicago. He's like, I need to get some vacations, man. I got right. all these people hunting me. Right. Well, he would often take trips to Cleveland, Omaha, Kansas City, Little Rock, or the Hot Springs, which uh, mm. Hot Springs what? is a uh, known hotbed no, hey. no, no pun intended <laughs> yeah. for uh, maybe for gangsters of the time. Hot Springs was like a vacation spot for all the va- gangsters. How about so when we, people so say, we might have a little say, something about that? How about when people say no pun intended? They should, they should say some pun intended, right? Because obviously there's a pun intended if you well, had to mention it. Well, I didn't. I didn't mean to say. What? I didn't. I didn't mean to. There was no pun intended to say it was a hot bed. It was not like I connected the two purposely. It's just still, what I just what I said. Yeah, but it's still some intended. I mean, what are you gonna do? Where are you, uh, <laughs> all those places he went, he paid for luxury suites and assumed names, so Ooh. he never went over there and said, "Hey, my name is El Capone. I'm checking right. into the Hot Springs Hotel." Right. He never registered anything under his own name and didn't even have a bank account. Of course he didn't. Of course not. Fucking, Why would you? This dude had a lot of cash in his fucking pocket. Man. Jeez. Due to the need of someone like L to have protection at City Hall, mm-hmm. he got into the pockets of several politicians, obviously. Which is still going on today, by, by the exactly. way. Just saying. Just saying he is widely seen as responsible for getting William Hale Thompson. Which this guy is a fucking corrupt little son of a bee, right. you know. Well, he got him elected mayor in 1927. Mayor of Chicago. Mayor of Chicago. One of the biggest cities in the world right world. now. World. In well, 1927. Well, Mayor Thompson favored opening up the city and talked about we opening the legal saloons. Of course he did. He wanted, yeah, yeah, right. He was like, we don't need, we need booze. Booze will make everything better. I promise you there'd be less violence on the street if we had booze. Voting booths were targeted by Al Capone with one bomb exploding on election day. Uh, April 10th, 1928. It killed 15 people. That's a fucking terrorist attack, dude. <laughs> this dude committed a terrorist attack. Right, he's a domestic terrorist. He killed 15 people at a polling oh, place. Shit. Don't let fucking uh, everybody go back and read El- on El Capone. I mean, is he canceled? He'd be canceled. Or, I mean, he would be. Is he already canceled? <laughs> no. Nobody, nobody's celebrating El Capone like he was a good man. Nobody's canceling him if they yeah. had El Capone Day. His, his legend is his I'm legend. Sure, I'm his, sure there's a statue of El Capone in Chicago in there now. I bet you there's not a there's statue not. of El Capone anywhere. Okay. <laughs> no. There has to be. No. Well, by this time, Bugs Moran <laughs> was the leader of Moran? the North Side Gang after Weiss and Juchi were killed, no, no. both as the leader of the gang. So now Bugs Moran steps in to monitor uh, Moran and his men. Capone's men rented an apartment across from the warehouse, which is Moran's headquarters at 2122 North Clark Street. Right, Look it up. Right. On February 14th, oh, you know where we're going here, Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1929, Capone's lookout signaled to gunmen dressed as police to perform a quote-unquote raid. The gunmen lined up the seven victims in front of a wall and gunned them down in cold blood. 
The incident, which became known as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, shocked the public and damaged Capone's reputation. Mm. Within days, he was called by Chicago's grand jury to testify on charges of federal, federal prohibition violations, but claimed he was too sick to attend. Okay. Everybody knows the St. Valentine's Massacre. Uh, if not, go and uh, look it up, because immediately you see all the pictures of the seven dead bodies uh, laying on the floor in cold mm. blood, gunned down with Tommy guns. It was nuts. Mm. These guys were ruthless. They were ruthless. You got to think the uh, 70s, 80s you, mob. No, you guys think... 60s, 70s, you, well, 80s mob. Well, we're not there yet, so you guys think outlaws and gunslingers right, in the yeah, Old yeah. West were ruthless. Mm. <laughs> ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. These guys, bow, are, bow. these guys are like the savages. Organized crime people were savages, and uh, uh, they, they you can't call them cowboys. Organized crime. We're, we're, we're going to get into it. You guys will see. This is way more uh, way more savage, way more deadlier than the Wild West stuff. The organized crime is like the Sioux Indians out in uh, uh, rural rural uh, South Dakota or something. You're getting hacked up, sacked up. Yeah, all the, all the civilized people in the 20s were like, I can't believe these gangsters, they're savages, <laughs> savages, <laughs> barely even human, savages, <laughs> savages, bootlegging alcohol. <laughs> Look at these guys walking around in their pinsuits and <laughs> driving their fancy cars. Fancy cars, right. their, their Tommy guns. Capone was known for having other people do his dirty work for him. Of course, obviously, he's a fucking boss. However, however, after finding out that three of his men were conspiring against him. I mean, come on. You can't trust the hoes, right? He was like, I knew it. I knew mm, it. I knew these guys. They're like, what do you want me to do, boss? He was like, I'll take matters into my own hands. Well, who who do you who do you think it is? Well, the three men were Scalese, Anselmi, <laughs> Anselmi, 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 A-N-S-E-L-M-I. Ansel, ansel me. And sell me. And sell me. And sell me. And sell me. You got to think Italian. Like, well, Scalese. And sell me. And a giunta. A giunta. Giente. 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 Gunta. Gunta. Maybe Gunta. G-I-U-N-T-A. <laughs> you guys spoil your own fucking opinions, okay? Right. We're tired of, I mean, <laughs> we're not going to get all these Italian names right, okay? Definitely not even. <laughs> maybe we won't even get Capone right sometime. Right. Uh, anyway. Uh, those three men were supposedly plotting against him with rival gangster Joe Aiello. Oh, no, not Joe Aiello. Aiello. Aiello? Aiello, man, Aiello, not yeah. Joe Aiello. Uh, knowing this, Uh-oh. Aiello was like... What he, happened? What did he say? Like, these motherfuckers. What was he doing, though? He grabbed himself a couple bottles, and he's mm. like... Mm. You know, after a couple That's bottles illegal. go down. And, yeah, and you're illegal. already a crazy mofo like Al Capone, and you got a couple bottles, and you got... Three guys mm. that has conspired against you. Yeah, what do you do though? Well, Capone supposedly beat the three men with a baseball bat <laughs> and oh, ordered his bodyguards to shoot them. Oh, so he just fucked them up. He never killed them, so there's not a murder charge on him. Right, but he ordered some. His yeah, bodyguards. but Rico charges weren't uh, invented back then. Several people dispute this though, oh, okay. saying that L never, oh. he would never do the work himself, and that it was probably his boys out there doing that shit for him. And he had his boys go and say, L did it. You know how it goes. Yeah, you see what L did? He just oh. he bashed those motherfuckers' like, face dude, in. I just, I just seen you hit that guy like 12 times. <laughs> I, I think, didn't do I that. think he would have. I think the story of at least cracking him over the head a couple times with a baseball bat. With his, well, of course, he's, L's gonna do it. Come on, he's a guy of power. And then he, and then he, and he has his, and then he's like, he, right. he fucking does his business just to get that out of his system. I, I guarantee and then he's like, six guys and then he's with like, him. and right. then he's like, kill him. I guarantee he has like six guys with him, so right. L can do anything he wants in this exactly. guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, people are like, oh, L would never do anything himself. Why not, wouldn't he? He's not gonna go out by himself. There's a difference. L wouldn't do. L wouldn't do like a rival that was in a rival gang by himself. Maybe not. Not do that. I'm strictly but by no, himself. No, no, I'm saying not. Strictly not, by himself. Not himself. Nobody. But these three guys, you got to remember, are in his group, right? And they're conspiring against him, right? And they, so and I they could think they're getting I over. I could. I could totally see him taking offense to that, and then at least. Bashing him in the head at least once a piece with a baseball bat well, himself. Plus, you and know? plus, when they're in your own group and they think they're getting you over, they're not going to suspect anything. That's what I'm saying. So he's probably more offended that they these guys were in his group 
and try to fuck him over, right. and so he would take more offense to that than he would some rival fucking gang member where he wouldn't he wouldn't right. be the one out there bashing him in the head. Exactly. But these guys are in his crew, and they, they turn on him pretty much, so obviously and, it would have hit him a little more deeper. I guarantee you every member of his uh, his party was there. Pretty much as, as, a, as a sign, this is what right. happens. Or exactly. even if they weren't, they would hear about it. Right. This is what happens. This is what happens. You cross Al Capone. Well, after the St. Valentine's Day massacre, the publisher of the Chicago Daily News, Walter A. Strong, asked his friend and newly elected president, Herbert Hoover, for help. Ooh-wee. He says, Herbert, we got some gang activity going on in Chicago, and I don't like it. It's crazy. Well, you should a, see this stuff going see, on. <laughs> you should see it. People are hitting people in the heads with baseball bats. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> at a secret White House meeting on March 19, 1929, Ooh. Uh, Strong... Frank Loesch of the Chicago Crime Commission and Laird Bell pleaded okay. to the president to get involved. They're like, please, Mr. President, please. get involved. Our mayor is dumb. Hoover decided that with most of the police and magistrates under Capone's power that the only way to bring him down was with the federal government. Right, it's the only way. And mm. But you also mm-hmm. have the local, you have to have the local government be uh, compliant too, which we see that ain't happening. Well, I think, I think what that means is they're going to uh, cook up some charges federally. Right now, all he's doing is uh, right. uh, state charges. Right. So they need to get him something on federally, right. which ends up being the tax charges, obviously. Exactly. Well, a multi-agency attack was launched on Al Capone. Of course they were. The Treasury and Justice Departments developed plans for income tax prosecutions on Chicago's gangsters. Right, because how many, I mean, wouldn't that be the first step? Like, we got all these right. gangsters getting cash flow. How right. many of them are actually paying taxes? Right, we're like, wait, yeah, we never really looked at this. I mean, right. they're paying taxes on their little building, their little speakeasies that's, and stuff. That's, 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 that's legal right. in the sense of the law, but right. any income you get, you need to pay taxes on, whether it's True. you're doing this or that. And well, yeah. at this very same time, a small elite squad of Prohibition Borough agents uh, that included Elliot Ness. Oh, Elliot Ness. We'll have an episode on him, too, guys. Don't worry about that. They were deployed against the bootleggers. So yes, you got these was. guys. Basically, Texas Rangers. Elliot Ness was like, yeah. I'm going to get every bootlegger I can. He ain't kidding. In a city full of corruption. Oh, Chicago. These guys were not able to be bought. Nope. This led for uh, a writer of the Chicago Daily News to dub them the untouchables. You guessed it. The un- oh, right. you, didn't do the old- <laughs> you didn't do the old thing. This said, yeah, I should right there, yeah. Uh, this led for a writer of the Chicago Daily News to dub them. You guessed it. What what they dub them? You, you, yeah, there it is. I didn't guess it. Oh, you didn't guess Tell it? Tell me. The Untouchables. It was The Untouchables. There's a movie about those. Uh, I think in yeah, like 80, 80, 88 or 89. Uh, um, Kevin Costner. And, Kevin Costner. Uh, and somebody else. <laughs> of course. Of course, it's Kevin, <laughs> Kevin C. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Strong used his newspaper resources to uh, gather info on the Capone gang. So this guy... Uh, this is damn good journalism. What a damn good journalist right here. The He's actually doing his journalism right. for good to get rid of crime and drugs and, right. and alcohol and all this shit out of the neighborhood that he wants to be a peaceful place for people. See, back then you could like kind of glorify these guys because you knew that would piss off everybody and the law would get them. That's what he was doing. But not only that, back then, to be back then gangsters and, like Capone and um, we'll, get in, we'll get into um, Nikki... What the hell's his name? It's kind of like back in the Old West when the when Clint Eastwood would come into town and clear out the... Uh, you, you know uh, Clint Eastwood didn't live in the Wild West, right? Cleared out the troublemakers. Clint, Clint Eastwood did live in the Wild West. He's a, They make a lot of movies about him. Some, <laughs> somehow he gets to play in them, too. Yeah, right. He's a fucking old guy. Um, he is right now, but... Um, <laughs> he is a um, guy. But yeah, back in these days, even in the 60s, 70s, the, the local gangsters... They gave back. I mean, there were fucking pieces of shit. They were giving heroin, and you'll, right. you'll see coming into the seventies and eighties, they give heroin and crack and cocaine and all that stuff yeah. to the people but early on. But but they actually they still invested their money into the community and gave to the people, and the, that 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 kind of started the whole. That kind of started the whole. We're not going to snitch on anybody right. because the 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 people around that were living in the neighborhood with these same drug dealers and kingpins and stuff, they respected them because the kingpins actually looked out for these people right. and gave them money and supported them and and that ha- that led to uh, cops come. We ain't going to tell you shit. Right, right, <laughs> we ain't going to tell you shit about this guy. Come on, I mean he he paid my rent bill last month. Yeah, Ooh. they did stuff like that. Like right. and this is the exact same thing. It's true. Capone's doing the same thing. 
Ain't nobody gonna tell on Capone. That's smart. But now you got a journalist though that's he's like wait coming in. He's like ah. look at these guys. Look at these guys. I they're, got some connections, and so now we're gonna investigate you, Capone. They're running half of a city right now. Well, guess what happened? Half of a city, these guys are running. Almost a full city. Almost a full city. Well, Capone yeah. was arrested on March 27, 1929, while leaving a grand jury testimony on oh. violation of prohibition laws stemming from him faking an illness earlier to get out of the another hearing, okay. which we already uh, covered. He was arrested on May 16, 1929, in Philly for carrying a concealed weapon and oh. indicted on May 17th. That's what got him. Well, following a guilty plea, he was sentenced to one year in prison. He was sent to Eastern State Penitentiary on August 8th and released on uh, March of 1930. So he went August 8th of 1929 and released in March. So see, they had it. They they tried to get him off the streets for as long as they could. So they start. See, if I was Al Capone, I'd been a little, a little suspect right there. I'm like, all right, they'll get me on this shit, but he's gonna keep on going. Well, they got him for carrying his con- concealed, a weapon. concealed weapon. But he's stupid. He knows damn so well. So he, he served from him. August to September, October, November, right. December, Certain January, year. February, March. He Not served seven here. months yeah. in prison for uh, carrying concealed. He got out in 1930 of March, and uh, after this, public enemy number he one. would shortly be listed as public they enemy number one. also made a movie uh, with that name on it, too, guys. It's got public enemy number one. Yeah, but that's not Capone. <laughs> huh? That's not Capone. Yes, that's no. why the movie's called Public Enemy Number One. No, Public Enemy Number One is John Dillinger. We will see. We'll we'll get to John Dillinger, but there's been several Public oh, Enemy was, Number Ones. Was it John Dillinger? Yes, in this era, the there's. Yeah, it was the movie about John Dillinger. Johnny Depp was uh, right. Was he? Yeah, Johnny Depp, Public Enemy Number One. Um, hmm. Yeah, there'll be several Public Enemy Number Ones because they right. got him out of the way. They either died or they killed him, and then right. uh, the same uh, another guy was Public exactly. Enemy Number One. But uh, Al Capone is the first ever. Public, Public enemy, enemy number, number one, one to the state. It's like it's like similar to the terrorist list that we see now. Here's the domestic terrorist. You remember, you know, you know how like they use like cards. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Bin Laden was like the Ace of Spades and right. all that stuff. This right. is pretty right. much that their list with uh, organized crime in the United States right now. Right. Well, the year is 1930, the month of April. Mm. L was arrested in Miami for vagrancy. So he's a homeless guy. Why didn't? It's ridiculous. But it didn't stick, and it was again arrested for vagrancy once again in Chicago in September. So, vagrancy technically means homelessness or wandering around, right? Not having any place to go, pretty much, right? They're being vagrant. Is there a movie called Vagrancy? So, is there a movie called there's a, there's a there's a movie called No Vacancy? <laughs> <laughs> but vagrancy is 1930. This guy had a lot of money. Come on. They arrested him. They arrested him on bogus charges because he was probably yeah. wandering around drunk. The actual uh, Webster, what is the definition of Webster vagrancy? dictionary is the state of living as a vagrant, homelessness. Right, that's, it. that's what I'm saying. Was he was he homeless or was he just running around town drunk, which would be a charge for vagrancy? Right, I think that may be what it is. Right. He's so fucked up. Right Come on, now, like like you don't have a place to go stay. How old is he? He's only 29. That's what I'm saying. There's, he don't have a place to go, so he's uh, 31 right he here. should be my boss still. He was born in 1899. He's still so my boss, he's is he not? That's what I'm saying. What the fuck? So they arrested him for vagrancy. Why is he running around by himself as a mob boss? We're, there's, a whole public, there's a whole story missing here. There's no reason why a mob boss who gets out of prison is going to be running around the streets by himself. He, he got released from prison on uh, in March of 1930. Right. The next month, April 30, he was arrested in Miami, Miami for vagrancy. So clearly he got out of prison and they're still trying to put him away. So they're going to make up bogus vagrancy charges because he was probably walking drunk on the street. Right. And they're like, you're a vagrant. Yeah, but he wouldn't be walking alone ever. Well, of course he would. I don't know about that. But either or, it was bogus charges. Let's just say that. Right. Well, he got six months. Contempt of court, though. So he never uh, showed up. Uh, he ended up being charged for contempt of court and sentenced six months in jail. He remained free while the case went through an appeal. Okay, well, Assistant AG Mabel Walker Willebrandt figured out that while mob figures live public lavish lifestyles, none of them filed tax returns, oh, which we that. already know where this is going. It took them that long to figure that out? This meant they could be convicted without any real hard evidence, which was proven right by her prosecuting a South Carolina bootlegger. Uh-huh. In 1927, the Supreme Court ruled that illegally earned income was subject to income Damn tax. Right. You either owe so, it or you're going to jail. So they pretty much passed a law... Not directly of Capone, but Capone and yeah. and others for, like him as a whole. Well, it's for when they get him. That law's there. That's what I'm saying. We got you now. 
we know that we can prove we can prove that you're selling this. Right. We can prove that you're selling that. We can prove that you're selling this. See what they did. But there? did you did you? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. L. You don't have. There's no uh, receipts from the IRS that you paid taxes on this million point one point five million right. that you uh, right. earned. Right. Where, how, yeah. <laughs> where's where's those where's those receipts, sir? Let's see. Hmm. Crazy. Well, the IRS put Frank J. Wilson on L's case with his focus on his spending. My point exactly. So now they're going around saying he's buying. He just bought a new car. He just bought a penthouse. Right. He just did this. He just think oh. of them as insurance inspectors. Right. Did 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 she really break her right. leg? Twelfth <laughs> of March, nineteen thirty-one. L was charged with tax evasion from the year of nineteen twenty-four. And on to June 5th, 1931. So that's fucking seven years that he was uh, charged from. He was indicted by a federal grand jury on 22 counts of tax evasion. 22. From the years of 25 to 29. Wait. So they went from 24 to 31, but he's only indicted from 25 to 29. Maybe they found something. His lawyers. Who knows? 25 to 29 are the most convincing, probably. So they stuck to that. A week later, the Untouchables inflicted major damage to Uh Capone's operation that led to on 5,000 counts of violations. 5,000 counts. Volstead Act. Which is the prohibition, violating the Prohibition Act. 5,000 counts, they say. On June 16, 1931, Capone pleaded guilty to all the charges as part of a plea deal. When he would only get two and a half years. Oh, no shit. Well, on July 30th, the judge refused to honor the plea deal, so Capone withdrew the guilty plea. Judge Wilkerson later, later only tried Capone for the tax evasion, saying that those took precedent over the Volstead Act violation. Right. Obviously, you know you're going to convict him over the tax stuff, the Volstead Act. Uh, right. Who cares about right. making alcohol, right? Right. Given that they were uh, counting on the plea deal... That the judge ended up refusing. Right. Capone's lawyers had very little time to prepare for the trial and ran a weak defense. Wow. Oh, so bullshit. this guy couldn't even hire the best lawyers. That's Where was ridiculous. Johnny? Johnny Cochran didn't have no uh, ancestors back then. That's sad. The government ended up charging Capone with evasion of two hundred fifteen thousand dollars, a total income of one million three thirty-eight thousand six hundred fifty-four. So he owed two hundred fifteen thousand out of that, out of uh, a confirmed right. income of a million. 38,000, yeah. October 17th, Capone was convicted of five counts of income tax evasion, fined $50,000 plus court costs, and was liable for the 250 grand plus interest. Plus interest, which you know ballooned to probably like 600 grand. Right, 600 grand plus 50,000 plus, plus five the court counts. court costs, plus the court costs. Right, oh my. Mm. He was sentenced to 11 years in prison. Prison. <laughs> Wow. He was sentenced to 11 years of prison one week later. Okay, so they got him. Got in ass. May 1932, he was sent to Atlanta U.S. Penitentiary at the age of 33. Mm. Eh, it's my age. <laughs> it was there that he was officially diagnosed with syphilis and gonorrhea. While there, he was seen as weak and couldn't protect himself from bullies, so his cellmate protected him until he was moved to Alcatraz in August of 1934. Nice. Alcatraz, On June huh? 23, 1936, he was stabbed but not seriously wounded by inmate James C. Lucas. Wow. Well, his syphilis got worse, and he was diagnosed with syphilis in the brain in February of 1938. He then spent the last year at Alcatraz in the hospital section, confused and disoriented. Didn't know who he was, what was going on. He was paroled on November 16, 1939, after his wife appealed to the court based on his mental capabilities. She's like, please, he's dying. What good right. is he gonna do in a freaking prison cell? Crazy. He, and plus, he don't even know any of us, so it's not like he's not like he's enjoying the fruits of uh, right. being home. Right. This dude's just gonna die at home. That's just some crazy shit. One minute you're doing this, next minute you're dying in a, in a prison cell with chlamydia and gonorrhea. Well, um, and it attacked your brain, syphilis and gonorrhea. Yeah, um, syphilis at the age of thirty three. At the age of thirty three. Jeez. He lived a little bit longer, but... uh, After he got out of prison, he went to Baltimore to be uh, treated for syphilis. About time. You should have done it later when we just said there was treatments available, Why guy. were they treating him in prison? He first tried to go to Johns Hopkins Hospital, but they refused him. <laughs> they were like, yeah, I don't know about you, but right. uh, we, we ain't serving yeah. you. We don't serve your kind around mm-hmm. here. So he went to Union Memorial Hospital instead. In 1940, he left Baltimore and headed for Palm <laughs> Island, Florida. <laughs> you say Baltimore. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Baltimore. <laughs> in 1942. Uh, what you do? What you do at the? Uh, what you do at the yard sale? I bought more stuff. <laughs> uh, I bought more stuff. All right. In 1940, he left Baltimore <laughs> and headed for Palm Island, Florida. 
1942 after penicillin. Oh, was see, now penicillin's in his life. Right. He was one of the first people to be treated by the drug of penicillin. Okay, good for him. After his brain damage was too advanced for him to be cured, it did slow down the disease. Yeah, it was just hit his brain and it was done. Well, that penicillin, when when they, oh, yeah. Right. He they would have got that before. He, he got that penicillin, and it slowed down the progress. It was already in his brain. But, though. I mean, it was already too far right. for that. In the brain. So if it was in the brain. It's in the brain. In 1946. Insane in the membrane. Got no brain. We're insane. In 1946, his physician concluded that he had the mentality of a 12-year-old child. Oh. He spent the last years of his life living in his mansion, spending time with his family. On January 21st, 1947, he had a stroke, and after he started to improve, he contracted bronchopneumonia. On January uh-huh. 22nd, he went into cardiac arrest, and on January 25th, he died after his heart failed as a result of apoplexy. Oh, jeez. He was taken to Chicago for a private funeral and buried at Mount Olivet Cemetery, and then his remains were moved to Mount Carmel Cemetery to be with his father and brother. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. he was diagnosed officially with syphilis in 1932 in, uh, 1932 oh. at the age of 33, and he ends up dying in 1946, so oh, 13 years later. He said officially. Officially diagnosed, mm-hmm. but we know that he contracted it when he was 18. Mm-hmm. So uh, he lived 13 years after uh, contracting it, though. And then when he got out of prison in uh, 1939 so shit, he lived another 17 years out of prison well, he lived for 48 years man what are you gonna do yeah i mean what, what are you gonna do? do man well al capone is directly responsible for the deaths of at least 33, 33. people the first in 1923 and that and that crazy right he was responsible for 33 people and then officially got diagnosed with syphilis at 33 all right age of 33 ain't that nuts hmm <laughs> There's some conspiracy guys out there. (laughs) Confirm those numbers for me, please. And the first one he killed was in 1923. And the last he killed was 1930. So seven. A lot of threes. There's a seven, though. There's a seven in there as well. Okay. Seven-day theory. Machiavelli. Right. Illuminati. Being one of the most notorious gangsters in the 1920s, he had had several books, music music songs, you know, like... (laughs) Music songs? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, a lot of movies a made, lot of made movies. about him. Right. There's memorabilia. You can you can buy like action figures of Al Capone. It's crazy. <laughs> sure you can. The most famous of which is the 1987 movie, The Untouchables. The Untouchables. Where he was played by Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. And uh, Kevin Costner was the cop that took yeah. him down. Uh, wasn't Kevin Costner L.A. Ness? I think so. He was. And that's the uh, life and times of Al Capone, the most famous... Prohibition era bootlegger slash gangster, the uh, the origin of the origin of the name Scarface as a gangster, and he don't like that. You don't call him Scarface. He sure didn't like that. I'm sure there's more uh, private stuff that right. never been told to the public. But what you just heard is everything that is available to the public, and you can verify everything we just said in this episode. Yep. Yep. Sure what a can. hell of a what a hell of a way. We started off the Wild West episodes with Wild, Wild, Wild West. Bill, Wild Wild West, which was the most famous. Wild Wild West. Well, the West. first. Okay, so the first Wild famous. Um, how fitting is it for us to start off the Prohibition era with the first known, uh, well, the best known and the first known what? bootlegger, is he? gangster? Is he just like we did with Wild Bill in the Wild West? The first known, the biggest known. Uh, True. One of the biggest known um, outlaws, or not outlaws, he wasn't even an outlaw. And he, both, I mean, he did some outlaw stuff, but the biggest gunslinger. And they both left before their time. And they both, uh, they definitely got killed uh, way before they were old and right. gray. So, uh, yeah, we're starting off Prohibition with a bang. We'll be next. We'll be next. We'll be back next week with. Who are we doing next week? Who are we doing? George Remus. Who? People don't know who, who George Remus is. He's Ooh. actually. Kind of like behind the scenes of the um, right. of the bootlegging. He saw Goodman. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that, yeah. The George Remus is the behind the scenes of the bootlegging process in the early days of uh, always got to have a bootlegging. Lawyer, so, right? and, um, no one's ever really talked about lawyers. What a way to start off uh, our prohibition slash um, depression era. Right. Episodes with Al Capone, the master of everybody knows Al Capone. If, if you guys are here. Because you thought we were going to do another Wild West episode. Wild, well, Wild West. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> it's just it's there, man. Well, 
we're not at this moment, but you never know when we're gonna do. Uh, we got we. There's still Wild West stuff to do. It's not happening for a long time. Uh, in the future, but it's gonna ain't be no a reason. Long, long if you're if you're into Wild West stuff, you're into this stuff pretty much. I would assume. Why would you not? So Al Capone, that's all about it. But we'll what's be your back. favorite gun from this area? I think it has to be the Tommy gun, right? The Tommy guns. I mean, obviously the. the, the the machine gun, fucking with the with the, the round with the round, round fucking uh, clip. Uh, clip at the bottom, and just and and the guys that are firing it are have fedoras and and, and uh, long, long coats, coats on, on and yeah. I mean I mean trench God. coats. No, not even trench coats. They're just business suits. Right. And business all, everybody's in in this era. Every gangster is in suits and right. ties and right. and three piece suits and and fedoras and all that good stuff. Love we it. got a we got a bunch of good stuff for coming up for you guys. Like I said, John Dillinger. Um, Bonnie and Clyde, Babyface Nelson, Machine Gun Kelly. We got all the bank robbers, all the immig- immigrants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, some yeah. of them will be immigrants. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very true. There will be a lot of immigrants. <laughs> I, I was reading what, what was on the screen right here. It said Italian immigrants. But, yes, oh, we'll, we'll be all back. We'll be back for all that next week. George Remus, which uh, – Remember the TV show all We that? We like to do – yes. We like to do uh, – Famous guys and then not so famous guys. So we're gonna we're, we're not only gonna do famous guys. We're gonna do. We never said we're doing famous guys. We're just. What I'm we're, saying we're gonna, just like the wild, just like the Wild West stuff. I'm sure we Sometimes did. Sometimes the back if you channel sure, play somebody that you don't. I'm give a sure shit we did a lot of stuff that people didn't hear of in the Wild West who were famous gangsters in in reality. Right. But you just don't hear in uh, right. pop culture. You get it. But uh, same thing's gonna apply here. So we'll be back next week with George Remus, George who was a. Who's a businessman behind the scenes of bootlegging, Ooh. and uh, he owned a lot of factories and a lot of bootlegging processes. So uh, he's got an interesting story. So we'll be back next week for that. Make sure you go check out Mouthy Michiganders. We're doing sports history of the week. We're doing Deadwood Review, the Deadwood TV show. Uh, hopefully a Wild West holdover. Right, you like Deadwood. We're on episode nine over there, and then um, I think we're gonna start up our uh, Monday Night Watch Along again. So. I don't know. I don't know. We're 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 seeing what's going on. But the Mouth of Michiganders, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, we'll be back next week for George Remus. George Remus. This Can't the, wait. We are the Mouth of Michiganders with Bang Dang. Bang.